0: Is masculinity toxic? And is the way our society and culture talks about masculinity and toxic masculinity wrong or have problems? We discuss this and more with special guest Aaron Wren of The Masculinist on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers home for the creative intellectual and the only cult that wants you to think more, not less. Hmm. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, and originator of the Make Henry Golding James Bond hashtag. Uh, And with me as always is my brazenly bromantic co-host, Nathan Clarkson,
1: actor, filmmaker, and author. And because we're talking about the subject today, I'll say author of a recent book called Good man, which Ah. is a perfect segue into what we are talking about
0: today. Please introduce our guest. Very nice. I I like this segue. And uh, as he alluded to with us today is a very special guest. He is the founder and host of the Masculinist Podcast and Masculinist Newsletter and Website. Here we have with us the astounding, audacious, austere Aaron Wren. Mr. Wren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Wow, and uh, yes. So, all right. Today we are talking about toxic masculinity because, as you know, we like to say play it safe on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, in recent years, several public revelations of male violence abuse, such as the Me Too movement or mass shootings in public schools, have caused mainstream society to grapple with why these acts of violence almost always seem to be perpetuated uh, portrayed by men. Uh, American Psychological uh, association listed traditional masculinity ideology as a psychiatric uh, disorder behaviors, uh, with including stoicism, competitiveness, and dominance and aggression. Um, companies like Gillette made their new campaign ad fighting toxic masculinity. And lots of movies, including kids' movies like Lego Movie 2 and Wreck It Ralph, have made toxic masculinity one of their main. Uh, Ah, uh, I main uh, main plot lines dealing with that issue. Um, Marvel movies have made as sort of one of their main plot lines the male hero like Iron Man, Star Lord, or Thor who is toxic, who then gets uh, gets redeemed and made heroic by sort of his relationship with a a moral woman. The uh, however, some of this has received some strong pushback from different people who think that um, many uh, many of the behaviors that are being labeled toxic are more positive male virtues of competitiveness uh, and hard work. And while others think that, you know, that many of times that sins and the proclivities of men are overemphasized and women, oftentimes, some of their problematic behaviors are ignored. Aaron Rand, you started a masculinist in part to encourage and guide men who are struggling with mixed messages society gives around how to navigate their male identity in a healthy way. What do you think about the way our society talks about, discusses the issue of toxic masculinity? What does it get right? What does it get wrong? And how can it be better?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I was really struck uh, when before starting the Masculinist that uh, people like Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan or many, many, many other of these internet figures were drawing enormous audiences mm. of young men. Yeah, and. It really struck me that some of the traditional sources uh, that men might have turned to, and in the case I was particularly interested in the church, were not really attracting men. And uh, and so, so sort of seeing me like what's going on that young men are obviously hurting. Mm-hmm. They're hungry to know, you know, how to thrive in life, how to navigate this world, and why is it that they have to turn to YouTubers? Yeah, uh, You know, and, and instead of to, you know, fathers or to, um, you know, the church or to uh, other organizations, groups of men, maybe maybe the Masons. And back in the day, they would have joined the Masons or they would have, <laughs> you know, joined some fraternal society. And and yet they're not doing that. So many, many of the forms of kind of male socialization and uh, sources of authority. That men would have turned to, uh, you know, counselors, older men, don't seem to be there or don't seem to be as trusted, and so people are seeking out these these new counselors. And so, one of the things that I, I really felt was missing was essentially a Christian perspective mm-hmm. on this, uh, because I, you know, I do believe that a lot of these, and some of these internet men at all, not Jordan Peterson per se, but a lot of these uh, kind of internet figures are, in fact, quite toxic. I mean I don't have to to think too hard to say yeah these pickup artists are toxic. Yes. These yeah. White nationalist groups are toxic. Uh, you know so there there, are, there is a lot of be- bad behavior out there. And so I don't uh, you know I don't think I need to rationalize or explain away you know yeah. or try to minimize the bad things that other people have done. You know I think we sh- we should acknowledge there are a lot of bad things that are being done out there and and men are doing bad things. Yeah. Sure. And So I you know I, I where I think uh, I, you know, be cautious is is you know essentially ex- imputing collective guilt, right, to the you know the actions of you know some guy who goes on a shooting rampage. Um, it doesn't make us guilty, uh, you know, of of that crime per se. And you know, then I do think there is a case in which it, it is true that you know misbehavior by women is often not only not called out, it's often celebrated. I think mm-hmm. of the book, you know, the Eat, Pray, Love. Kind of script, you know, women, <laughs> yeah, women who thoughts. dump yeah. your husband, <laughs> you know, dump your wife and kids. Or give me dump your husband and your kids, and go on a voyage of self-discovery and find some hunky new guy. You're going to be celebrated yeah. for that, right? And so, I kind of think, in essence, it, 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 it's uh, it, it's a little odd, but at, but at the end of the day, I'm you know, my thing is let's try to speak truth. To be on a journey to discern what the truth is and figure out how, how we should live as men today in this world. And that's kind of what I'm all about.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I love the name of your podcast, The Masculinist. There is no ambiguity. You were telling me <laughs> what you were talking about. And it's actually a brave title now because with the recent uprising, people talking about uh, toxic toxic masculinity. Right it's become almost synonymous, like toxic and masculinity are the same thing. So if you say masculinity, you might as well be saying toxic masculinity, because any shows or portrayals of masculinity are often considered toxic. Now, when I was writing my book, Good Man, I did a lot of research into um, men and cultures of men and behavior of men. And as you said, to be honest, yes, there is incredibly obvious and um, and identifiable actions of men being toxic, of masculinity being toxic. And we can see that in the abuse rates or the shooting rates or the whatever it might be. Um, but it's incredibly obvious that there are toxic attributes of men that are very often specific to men. Mm-hmm. But masculinity on a whole, I think when we say that all of it is toxic, actually, I think it actually exacerbates a problem of toxicity masculinity because i do think that masculinity i am a christian i believe that things are created with intent and design i think that masculinity is good and it was designed and it was designed to be good and so what i think people mean by toxic masculinity or maybe what they should say is a misuse of masculinity or uh, a masculinity that was not used well anything powerful and we can see this uh, in a million different examples anything powerful will have incredibly destructive uses or incredibly productive uses. They can be used for good or evil. And I think the same goes for masculinity. I think masculinity can be used incredibly evilly. And I think we've seen that. And I think the feminist movement is right to call it out. I think it's right to call out the the men in Hollywood and politics or whatever it might be, who during the Me Too movement, who were utilizing their masculinity in incredibly destructive ways. But that doesn't make masculinity destructive on a whole. In fact, masculinity can also be the thing on the opposite end of that that protects people, that says, I'm going to stand up for someone who's being victimized. I'm going to protect someone who's being victimized. I'm going to be the person who brings life into the world and protects life. And so I think the problem isn't masculinity in a whole which has now been synonymous synonymous with toxic masculinity but instead how we use our masculinity and what and as i did this research for my book i i looked into gang statistics i looked into incel statistics i looked into Mm -hmm. the online i looked in uh the communities of really um angry young men i looked into um a million different places where you see young men the fraternity um uh, kind of mentality and the statistics about that. And um, what I found is all of these men, when looking at the biblical understanding of masculinity, it wasn't that they were, the problem wasn't that they were masculine, it was a problem that they were using their masculinity for destructive right. me. When in reality, if you're in connection with your creator, you will find I'm supposed to use my masculinity for this, not that. And oftentimes the the evidence of masculinity um, uh, in the world, uh, the, the attributes that you see in, play out that are often considered toxic even not even in the feminist realm but even in the christian realm it might be greed it might be um you know promiscuity whatever it is all of those i think come back to a desire that is actually good i think we were meant to want to accomplish and discover and do things but it it, it takes form of greed because of our twisted um because our twisted desires that I think that going out and trying to win a woman is a beautiful thing, and to find someone and commit to somebody. But it gets twisted into promiscuity and trophy and and objectifying women. So I think ultimately it comes down to masculinity isn't evil, but how it's used can be. And that's my thing that I really try to nail, uh, to try to drive home um, in this age. Basically, is now saying that masculinity is equal to toxic masculinity and it's inherently evil, which I think is really wrong. And real quick, I'm gonna wrap up, I promise, my, my monologue. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, You said, that's what you
0: say, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think if you start saying that masculinity is evil and that everything a man does that's innate to his nature is evil and bad, Men will find themselves and have found themselves, especially in this culture, in identity crises, and they won't know who they are, and they will actually go searching for who they are in really destructive places. So I think more importantly than just calling out toxic masculinity is actually providing the correct uh, drive and thrust and, and way for masculinity to be carried out, and I think for me, that's only found in scripture and through um, knowing our Creator.
0: Um, but yeah, that's that's. Boy, you just Joseph. had to take it into the Christian direction, like right <laughs> I, away. I'm sorry, you? I got. I'm gonna that. let, I'm gonna let uh, Aaron give a chance yeah. to respond, then I'll give my thoughts. He, you know, talk about.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot too. One of the things that we see, I mean, if you if you look, for example, at Genesis, or you look at you know human histories, there's uh, there really has kind of been a gender, kind of call it a polarity, in in which you know the men and the women, uh, the woman in a, in a household played you know, somewhat different roles and that the the male role tended to be more outward facing into the world, Uh, the household working itself out into the world, as somebody like Alistair Roberts would say, whereas the female role was more about the administration, the the administration, the inward focus of the household. So I think that's best illustrated in Proverbs 31, where uh, the husband is at the gates of the city where he's sitting with kind of the elders and the big men of the city, kind of governing the 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 the, the metropolis. His, his wife is at home, uh, but she's not sipping tea. She's administering this large enterprise, and it goes on all, all of what she's doing. He's and a I think worker. so. What we see, you know, I, I think what what happened was when we went when if we were in a pre-industrial society, you know, you you would think of a paradigm of, of that being like a homestead farm where the husband is out in the fields all day. He's, he's he's tending the crops. He's building the barns and the houses. He's chopping down firewood. He's doing all of that. And his wife is, uh, you know, spinning cloth, making clothes, preserving foods, making soap, you know, all of that stuff. And what it was, they were doing different things, but it was really all economically productive. And they were partners in... Um, you know, a household that was much more than today's essentially consumer enterprise. Like today, you know, uh, you know, a household is essentially just a consumption cooperative. You know, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened when we kind of went to the industrial era was the household lost its economically productive functions, and gender polarity sort of reintroduced re, uh, itself in a different way. Where sort of the husband's going to work in a factory. He's gone. So he's no longer working in the home around the home. he's he's commuting to some factory or some office. And, you know, for a period of time, his wife wasn't even working. So she's at home, and she's raising children. But her role in the home is not necessarily economically productive in the sense that it was in the past. And so uh, that was a little bit, I would say, somewhat of an unhealthy scenario. Um, that, that has re- resulted in, in in some of these things. Um, but, so I think we should, we should think about, we should think about that as, as sort of women who were in these housewives were in fact kind of deprived of their productive function. But the husband was also sort of deprived of his productive function too, and that he's now mm-hmm. essentially an employee. He's like a wage serf, if sure. you will. No longer, there's no longer self-sufficiency dynamism. And I say this though in part is that the, the roles that men would have historically played, which you might think of as the positive side of the male, the male role, the civilization-building role, the outward-facing role, is women are going to be like, look, no, that's not a male trait. That's not a masculine trait. That's our trait too. So essentially, everything that was good about what men did, women said, "That's, that's not a men thing. That's us." Anything bad, I will let you have that. <laughs> so I think there's, I think that's why you know there, there's there's some of that, and and yet we do see. If you look at it, you, you know, in things like scientific discovery, uh, you, you know, big-time startup founders, et cetera, there's still a huge gender disparity, yeah, uh, you know, in favor of men, and that's sort of treated as just, you know, uh, prima facie evidence of uh, discrimination. But I mean, it's essentially just asserted based on the existence of this thing, and so I do think we you see. You know, in essence, though, I would say you see some of the, you know, the best of what men are able to do in in the way that, for example, Elon Musk has said, we're going to put them, we're going to explore Mars, we're going to colonize Mars, you know, I better start a rocket company, and oh, we're going to revolutionize uh, rocket flight, because we're going to land these things, and we're going to reuse them, and we're going to do that, and oh, I think I'll have electric cars, too, why don't I create the first electric car anybody actually wants to buy, and Now again, I'm not saying Elon Musk is like the perfect man by any means. You know, he's he's, thank God. He's he's very he's a very strange. But like that idea of like taking crazy things that no one else ever thought to do, and many people may have thought was impossible, and making them a reality. I'm thinking about the Starlink satellite network that he built. He's building. He's building this uh, low Earth orbit satellite network of um, thousands of satellites. And uh, he's gonna be providing global internet service to anyone via this network. Now, typically satellite internet has not been very good because it, used, it, it would uh, signal signals through satellites that are like in geostationary orbit or somewhere much, much higher. So there's actually a material latency or lag in transmitting the, the signals. And uh, so it takes a while for the signal to go up and back. And he's in low earth orbit, and people were a little crazy, like it's never gonna work. And well, actually it's not working. And it's like, oh, so what happens? He, he's, he says, I'm gonna do it, he builds it, or at least he builds the start of it. And uh, now uh, Amazon's um, Jeff Bezos said, well, I'm gonna build one of those. Then China says, I guess we better build one of those. And you know, the European Union's like, well, we better study building one of those. So this thing, like this guy came up with this idea, he built it and now everybody wants to get one. Right, because it's like you've set a new standard so I think that shows that sort of like creativity that um that creative impulse that taking the next step forward in capabilities I, I think that's sort of sure. a quintessentially manly thing
0: so you can so you're making the point like, you know, it's like the, the American Psychological Association talked about competitiveness as sort of a toxic male trait. Yeah. But you're showing example of how this this trait of of high competitiveness is actually can be a good thing because, you know, it's got OK. Elon Musk says, OK, I want to go out and I want to build something crazy. And then a bunch of people say, well, we want to do the same thing. We want to compete with that. We want to make that. Right. and. Um, I think I think it's an interesting point. Now, there's there's a bunch of stuff that you just brought up. You that you took us on a whole trip throughout human right. history of economics and 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 gender role theory and and things like that, which is very cool. Um, I think that that's so that, that is true. Like you know, and Nathan Clark was saying, like there's a flip side. A lot of these traits that we see sort of that have that that people often attribute to sort of men and negative male traits um, often have flip sides that are that are very that are very good. Um, I think that. You know, the there's and and there is a sort of debate. There's a sort of debate about whether or not these traits, you know, a lot of in culture, whether or not these traits are innate or whether it's simply culturated like, you know, it's like, okay, you know, if men and women are different, it's primarily cultural that's been sort of cultural conditioning. Um, And then there's a side of the debate that says, no, a lot of these traits are innate and so positive and negative traits that different men and women have uh, have. And how does that work out in terms of like their relationships? I think that, so that's, that's, that's one side of it that sort of gets brought up in the debate. You pointed out sort of a a way our culture kind of talks about this wrong in a sense where it's like, okay, well, if there's a a trait that sort of men can have um, uh, exclusive to them, it's going to be a negative one, Uh, uh, which, which is, I think another, you see, another thing that I think is, is sort of interesting, problematic, sort of from my view, sort of our culture, our culture sort of talks about Um, men being able to just kind of one of two things, like I I said on this podcast on our previous man episode, that you can either be the culture sort of gives men two choices. You can either be James Bond, or you can be Kristoff from Frozen, um, which is or you can be a man who has is very capable and very assertive, has traditional manly sort of qualities we associate with manhood of of competitiveness and capability and power. um, But he treats people sort of as disposable, um, and he treats women relationships as disposable. He treats, you know, dispatches people disposable, whereas Christoph, he's, you know, he's good and kind and sensitive, and, but he, you know, he, he never sort of talked back to his, his, uh, you know, his, his lady friend, you know, he, you know, he, he can't ever sort of, um, be assertive in that way or tell her she's wrong without apologizing afterwards. Um, and I f- have felt growing up sort of caught between those two things where, you know, I was sort of told, well, if you have to be, are going to be a good man. You have to sort of be be very agreeable and sort of be a doormat. Um, and right. then when I said, and then when I said, Oh, well, I don't want to be a doormat anymore, then I had, you know, a lot of the women in my life saying, You're being toxic, you're being arrogant, you're being problematic, you need to stop doing that. And so I had a sort of relationship with saying, you know, okay, I've I, I can't listen to those voices because I know I'm not being toxic, I'm I'm being not a doormat. Um, right. on the other hand. So, you know, that's sort of my story. On the other hand, you know, there have been a lot of people, both men and women who felt very limited by the, sort of the, the, you know, the rules of size put them in about like, Oh, well, you can't share your emotions. If you're a man, you have to be tough all the time. You can't ever show sort of vulnerability and weakness as women. You know, I, one of the most um, heartbreaking things I ever saw was a, a friend of mine on what uh, posted a picture on Twitter, where she said that, um, you know said like these pictures on wall like these statements on walls her family had written you know that said like you know this is this is what a woman's role is and and you know this is this is and you know men are supposed to dominate you and things like that and it's and it's like and how she was like you know it wasn't until like i left my home and went to the city and like you know got heroes like ruth bader ginsburg that i knew being a woman was woman was not a curse um Mm and so you know i know my experience kind of makes me kind of um bristle a lot at the conversation about toxic masculinity because i know a lot of people who've said anytime you're not a doormat you're being toxic and they've done that to me but on the other hand i recognize that that's not the only experience in the world and you know a lot of people are afraid when people start saying hey we need to assert the differences between men and women and we need to assert that being competitive and assertive and aggressive can be a good thing that that's encouraging a lot of, of of those bad traits. And you kind of made the argument though, if I'm getting this correct, that actually the problem is if you don't ever say that those are good things, then men are just gonna go for the really toxic stuff. And you kind of want to turn people and say, no, there's a positive way to do a lot of these traits you associate with manhood.
2: Right. I mean, nobody really believes those traits are negative. If a woman was highly competitive and successful, no one would ever say that her competitiveness was a negative trait. No one would I, ever disagree. No one's ever going to say that a woman who is disagreeable should be agreeable. They're going to like, no, you're, you're,
1: you know. I'm going to push back here in a minute. Because I I have, so I was... In my family, we have a very strong woman culture, as well as a strong male culture. I was allowed to live in my loud, exuberant um, masculinity, but I also have a mom who runs a podcast that reaches millions of people. It's one of the top podcasts on on her uh, iTunes. She's written 20 books. My younger sister is in higher education, and she is Zooming ahead of men in her own class. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Like both of them I've seen this happen and and I'm gonna argue the other side here a little bit. I do think that the feminist movement when they're talking about talk to masculinity, it isn't always just a cultural oh, you're just trying to I have literally seen the way that my sister gets treated when she is not being um when she is not being overtly mean or and she is being just as how do I say this um uh, Aggressive in her career and her dreams as the man next to her, yet she will get called epithets by men who are threatened, who she um, surpasses in her. She's, you know, she's getting a doctorate at one of the top universities in the world, and she experiences a lot of sexism, as has my mom, who has sold millions of books and very constantly... Um, the the heads of publishers won't talk to her and will condescend to her while talking to the man representing her. So I don't think that is as, as easy as saying, oh, it doesn't exist. Men don't act like that. Women aren't really because I do think that that really does happen. And I'm a firm believer in the in the goodness of masculinity and I think it's a good thing. But I do think that there is some real toxic masculinity that has made feminism say masculinity is toxic because I've seen it and I've experienced it. And like Joseph was saying, if you encourage, um, the, the, uh, what well, we kind of go off what you we were saying, yeah, With
0: those yeah, traits, will, mean, you, will you get more?
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and very often I feel like I know a lot of women who have experienced pretty negative masculine traits and I'm a defender of masculinity, but I have mm-hmm. not a lot of women in my life who've experienced that. I've experienced, I've watched it happen. Yeah.
2: Well, I guess let me qualify that statement Would the New York Times ever say the thing right? Would the New York Times ever say, you know, your mom is too competitive. Would they say, so, that, walking, you know,
1: yeah, right. would, yeah. would
2: the American Psychological Association ever put out a, a report talking about how women are too disagreeable or that they're too, sure. um, yeah. you know, they're too competitive. I think it's really I think because I think it's really important. There's, there's what happens in sort of the grassroots. Which is which is legit. Uh, I don't want to dispute that. But there's sure. also what what do the official cultural organs of our society say? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the official cultural truth? What are the normative truths that are purveyed by Harvard, by The New York Times, right? By Yale, by these people. Yeah. And that ultimately determines what every, you know, the line that essentially everyone is required Right to kowtow to in our society, they just sure. they just they just kind of like you know, and it's not like there's like a, a cabal in a room somewhere you know deciding these things, but ultimately um, I mean if you look at it I, I think you will see you know the 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 organs of culture the media um, are going to very heavily celebrate um, female competitiveness accomplishment achievement that's going to be seen as a positive and. Um, you know, there was the whole, there was a the whole thing about the word bossy, let's reclaim the word bossy, all these things, this idea that, you know, you should be agreeable. Like they're going to say, no, that's bad. That's your stereotyping women. That That's a negative feminine stereotype that they must be agreeable. So I do think there's, I do think there's what happens at the retail level, which I, I do believe there's a lot of, um, you know, bad experiences women have at the retail level, but certainly at the level of kind of call it cultural truth. Um, I, I think, I think it's different. I mean, like, is very clear. Like the American Psychological Association is basically issuing again, they're they're issuing these sort of ex cathedra statements about what's toxic and what's not. And I'm sure I bet they have not treated femininity. But there's no uh, APA document showing fem, uh, competition as a negative trait in a
0: fem- well, female. One point, no. no, and it's true. At one point, I googled um what uh, toxic uh, femininity. And the only articles that came up were ones that were, um, you know, from Psychology Today that was saying, well, it's when when women are too self-loathing, you know, hmm. they're not harming other people, they're harming themselves. because right. women. Like are in the church, women, women's sin is low self-esteem, something like that. <laughs> Sure. Well, I think it's interesting to make the point of like, you know, one of my professors always told me like to, to, it's hard to talk about the culture because there are different cultures.
2: Hmm. And it
0: is a, a good point to know that there is a difference between, you know, a lot of things that go on, you know, in a lot of elite institutions, or at least, you know, the kind of the official statements that come out of elite institutions versus what, a lot of, um, happens in other places. And so a lot of times we, you know, again, conservatives and liberals get this into a lot where conservatives will say, ah, the, you know, the culture, you know, does this when what they mean is, you know, what's, what Hollywood is putting out and what the New York times is saying. Whereas a lot of times, you know, uh, liber- you know, liberals will talk about the culture and they'll talk about things that are going on in churches or in, you know, the corporation that they were just at or things like that. So that's an interesting, and yeah, interesting,
2: it's really important that, you know, Let me tell you just a quick recent anecdote I think that illustrates what I'm getting at. You know, for a long time, a long time conservatives complained about pornography Hmm. and they got, we would have banned porn, porn's bad and basically had no effect. And it came up to the point where even like last year, I think it was the Politico put out an article, you know, how the GOP gave up on porn or something like that. Hmm. well, probably about three or four weeks ago on the front page of the Sunday Review section of the New York Times, Nicholas Kristof, he's a columnist for the New York Times, liberal Democrat, um, wrote a column uh, talking about Pornhub and talking about their underage videos, talking about their- Trafficking. Uh, their revenge porn, their rape videos, and he had profiled several people who'd been you know victimized on Pornhub. Like within a week, Pornhub had purged half their videos. Hmm. Visa, MasterCard, Discover, cut them off. Pornhub has implemented all these new policies that now like you can't download videos to your computer anymore. You have to be a verified user to upload. And there's like a whole lot of stuff they're putting in place to try to get back on the credit card systems, which will probably happen. But I just, I just, I even tweeted this and Nicholas Kristof kind of liked, liked my tweet. He said, he said, it made him smile. I said, look, Nicholas Kristof, who is a pro pornography liberal Democrat, mm. just did more to it, to reduce the flow of porn on the internet than every Republican combined in the last 25 the twenty
1: five years. last twenty years, just to yeah. show you
2: that the new when the New York Times says something, it carries weight institutionally yeah. in America in a way that you know, what, what I say, right, or what a lot of other people say don't. You could have a million a million Republican, you know, people or religious people complaining about porn. You know, it's not going to cause Pornhub to do anything. They're just laughing at you. Sure. Visa MasterCard is not going to put them off. When Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times shine a spotlight on you, you jump, believe me. You got a crisis on your hands. And, and, I and how that, goes, this- that goes to show you, like, Culture, you know, there are various kinds of culture, but there are some in, in, entities that have cultural power. You know, James Davison Hunter at the University of Sociologists at the University. Uh, yes, James. done Jackson. a great job talking about like, like, look, culture changes from the top down, not from the bottom up. It's networks of elites at the center in the most prestigious and powerful institutions
1: that really drive cultural change well, and and i would agree with you on that point that, um because i brought up earlier about these more anecdotal instances but a lot of the women I in my widespread. i would agree
2: i think there's probably a lot of widespread call, call it retail misogyny but and i think no doubt that happens i mean there's all these internet pickup artists who sure, are literally yeah. training an army of minions to go out there
1: to bars trawl, trawl bars looking yeah. for women That's i wonder if the cultural reaction right now w- with the feminist reaction that's talking about, like you brought up these words called bossy or shrill or whatever it might be, or the studies they look into toxic masculinity while I think they can absolutely and definitely go overboard and it's overcorrection. I do wonder sometimes if it's as a result of many, many, many years of men, um, I don't want to say abusing their position, but using their positions to in some way, shape or form, um, control or harm women. Because if you even look at the New York Times, like you brought up, New York Times uh, decades before, has run a million, you know, this is before kind of the modern feminist movement um, in the sixties and seventies, they ran incredibly sexist degrading articles about women and what they should do, and what they shouldn't do. I mean, it's interesting. The women, women have just been allowed to vote not even that long, which is an interesting thing. So I wonder if some of this is a correction. It might be an overcorrection. It might be incorrect correction, but I do, I don't think it comes out of nowhere. And I don't think it comes out of just the place I want power, I want to do this. I do think it comes out of an anger that many women have been victimized in their past, their mothers have been victimized. And I think when it comes to masculinity, it's something I believe in, one aspect of men that I do believe is really important that I don't think we're very good at is owning up to our shortcomings and Mm -hmm. Um, amends for them and making them right. And I think that if we want to continue going forward and trying to convince people that masculine is a good thing, I think we have to be willing to say, yes, uh, masculine is a good thing, but we have harmed women, the men on a whole, and I mean institutionally, you I mean there's plenty of throughout history, there's plenty of institutional evidence that men have subjugated women, not on a not on a retail. Uh, level like you're speaking about on a very institutional level. And I think as men, we do have to own up to the places that we have hurt people or used our influence or strength, whether it be it physical or political or whatever it might be, to um, harm or control women. And I think it's part of being a good man and a masculine man is owning up and being honest about your own shortcomings and only then do i think things can start to heal and we can actually start celebrating the differences in the in masculinity and femininity and how they can coexist I will, in well way. i
0: will say um, i'll say one thing to that and then mm-hmm. sort of put it to you and maybe put a final question to you and you can respond to this and then respond to that final question but is that i think it also does go the other way too is a lot of times the reason for toxic men is um is is bad treatment by by women either their mothers or other people they'd known i know that the um um uh, mm. neil strauss who's the uh who's the um author of, of the book the game he talked uh, this is anecdotal of course but he talked about the fact that once once he was he was a pickup artist who then sort of got out of it eventually wrote a book called uh, the truth where he sort of got out of that um and he pointed out that when he when he looked asked his his or did a poll of his audience like how many of you had uh, domineering mothers, um, like ninety percent of them, raise their hands. But
1: um, well, couldn't you use that excuse for women who had domineering fathers? Oh, I'm saying I'm
0: saying it works both ways. I'm not saying it works okay. one okay. way. I'm saying it works both ways. And and you know, you, you talk about a lot of the times the the men who go to these you know um, these sort of uh, toxic gurus and coaches online. A lot of times they talk about the 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 difficult time that they've they've had with with women and there's some evidence again like you know some articles they've written from mainstream publications that talk about the difficult time that men have in school in terms of the rates of punishment that go against boys in school for similar offenses by mm. by female teachers um and so i think that a lot there's a lot of times toxic masculinity is also the result of mistreatment by women um or maybe quote unquote toxic femininity and t- sometimes toxic femininity and at f- so I think that there's there's a possibility that it goes both ways as well. And that's you know, and, and part of a part of healing is 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 everybody opening up to what they did. I totally agree with you men to own up to what they do a lot better than they do now. So I'll say I wonder about you commenting sort of on that, this discussion yeah. that we've we've had. And then also. Ask, sorry, what should we the 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 action steps? What should we do better? You talked about wanting the church to do stuff better. You're kind of focusing on Christian men, um, but what's what's what does our culture do better about having this conversation going forward? And what should the church, in particular, do since you're focusing on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, here, here's what I would say. Definitely at at the individual level, um, I certainly think you need to take accountability for your faults and the things that you do wrong, right? So I I think to the extent that men are, you know, not what they need to be. They need t- to take ownership of that, improve, et cetera. Now I do, you know, I going back to your door, your doormat, just because somebody is is offended or unhappy that you did something doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong. Yeah, sure. um, so I don't think we, we should do it that. Where, where, I, where I sort of have a little trouble is, um, you know, this idea that like men owe some collective imputed guilt you know for 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 stuff they didn't they didn't necessarily do other men and, and all men are sort of responsible for correcting what some some men did or have done because that, those sort of, that, that that sort of thing really only applies like again to certain people in certain situations. You know, seventy percent of all divorces are filed by women. and you know uh, you know think about every guy who's whose you know wife did the eat, pray, love script on him does every woman in America have to make up for every unjust treatment that a man has had? Nobody would ever say that. And so I think that we ought to, I think that we ought to take responsibility for ourselves, but I think, I don't think we should call ourselves to be kind of guilt tripped and manipulated into, um, you know, taking on things that that are not our responsibility. I think there's like a lot of, uh, you know, you know, HL Mencken famously said that democracy is the theory that the people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. And I think that there's like an element of that that's uh, in some of these discussions, you know, indisputably, right, there's been massive change uh, in the way that society, you know, has treated women and like the, the careers that are open to women, et cetera. Yeah. You know, massive change just since, you know, say 1960. Yeah. And yet, yes. since 1960, 1970, female happiness has declined significantly both on an absolute basis and relative to men, and uh, this is like sometimes called the paradox of female unhappiness and so women are in fact very unhappy, very angry today, uh, and they're actually much more unhappy than they were you know a generation or two back when some of these practices were in place and I think um you know i'm not saying that like you know, uh, going to work made you, made you miserable. But I do think there's an element in that does just say, you cannot just draw a straight line between someone's, some structure here and the fact that someone's unhappy because it's sort of like by, by any, by any measure, the structures have been getting better. And, uh, and yet female happiness has actually declined. And so I don't, I don't think we have a very good understanding of why that is um, you know, I don't think that, I do think that that's an unhealthy situation for society. And from that perspective, I think we ought to be worried
1: about like how to fix it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think we've adopted. Happiness has gone up or down along with the women. Cause what I've read is that it's pretty much declined. The men's have declined about the same as women's. You know, from uh, what I've read, it's, it's even relative
2: to men, you know, female, female happiness has decreased. It's, you know, there's, there's. You know, there's a number of studies you you can look at on it. Um, I don't think men are all that happy either necessarily. I'm talking about deaths of despair. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's
1: happiness is declining. I think a everyone's lot. happiness is declining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly
2: this year. But but, but I you yeah. know, so I do think there's like this. There's some weirdness in how this goes. But but my uh, at the point I, I guess I'll conclude with is um, everybody kind of takes this this tort model right, which is um, we need to prove who's responsible so we can make them pay. And when you're in a tort model, tort as a bad model, I think, for a lot of reasons, when you say torts are, um, one, they're inherently adversarial, they're inherently zero sum. You expect the person who's accused to aggressively defend themselves and use all these things like contributory negligence, you have to prove a case, all this stuff, and rather than that, I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, maybe we could just say that, um, you know, if there are people in our society who are, who are not doing well or are not happy or something, you know, there's problems. Maybe we should just want to do something about that because they're part of our society, <laughs> not because we, we were proven that we had something to do with it. And that's one of my one of my things I want to try to to change is this idea that it's uh, You have to prove someone's responsible, or if I'm going to work on it, or I'm going to try to make it better, it has to be because I did something wrong and I'm at fault. You might just want to help them, not that you. Maybe we would just like to have a better society for us all to live in because we're all in this together. It was like Henry. I think it was Henry Kissinger's. They attributed Henry Kissinger the famous quip that uh, no one will ever win the uh, the battle of the sexes because there's uh, too much fraternizing with the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) The reality. The reality is that. Um, you know, every, every woman who, you know, is alone and miserable means there's some guy on the other side of that equation who's in the same boat and vice versa. This idea that you can have like a bunch of men who are all like living in mom's basement and this and that, and uh, the women are all going to have these great careers and they're going to be accomplishing. And isn't that great? well, at some point, you know, you're going to want to get married, right? Or you're going to want to have a relationship and you better, you know, there's roughly a one-to-one ratio here. And mm-hmm. so, you know, these things have a way of balancing out, I think. And so we have to really, I think it's in everyone's best interest to collectively build up. I always say, I want to build men up. I don't want to tear women down. I want, I want women uh, to soar and be happy and be fulfilled as well, because, you know, that's good for them, it's good for our society, and it's also good for men.
1: Well, I also I also would say that the healthier men are, yeah. the healthier women will be. Yeah. And the yeah. healthier women are, the healthier men will be. Because as you said, we are constantly fraternizing with the enemy. Yeah. And the more you engage well, with each other, we have to. I, I'm married. I have to engage with a woman every single day. And the healthier <laughs> both of us are, the healthier the we will be. And there's one more thing I wanna to touch on real quick before you go, but. A lot of the questions I got when I was writing my book, Good Man, were about the definition of masculinity. Okay, and this is a good it, one. And it's not so much, it, we're kind of removing the women and feminist movements or, or you know, the men go their own way movements. within the equation, but we're looking at, it to, okay, fine, so masculinity is good. What is it? And how do we make a good man? Because for many years, and I think a lot of sons and brothers and people out there, th- we have built our identities around men that we see. In either media, we, you know, we, oh, I should be something like the Marlboro man who's smoking a cigarette, wearing a leather jacket. That's a man. Or I should be a soldier or an action star or a sports player or whatever it might be. And we have, you know, the feminist movement talks about this, but I do think there's some truth to it when they talk about um, men don't cry enough. Men aren't Able to show emotions and why we might not have as much of a proclivity to do that, or even a natural ability. I do think there needs to be some sort of definition that allows men health. And I what I attribute a lot of the masculine uh, talk, quote unquote, toxic masculinity that we see displayed today is I do think there aren't a lot of places where men can actually be open and honest about what they're feeling. And I know that feelings aren't something that men are typically known as being in touch with. But I think that might there is something there that we need to explore to find a healthier version of man that is strong, that is masculine, that's good, that stands up for things that, like you said, is innovative and dreams and fights, but also has spaces to be honest and authentic and broken and talk about these places in his lives that are are difficult. You know, I, I've been in counseling uh, therapy because I, I dealt with mental illness since I, since I was a young mm-hmm. kid. And so I was very used to um, the space in which you talk about your feelings and what you're struggling with. And so I got used to that as a young age, and I never saw it as something that affected my strength as a man. Mm-hmm. I saw it as something that actually helped me become stronger. And I do think that there is definitions of men out there that are that men are living under, that can be really difficult. And you even talked about this sure. a little bit, Joseph, that if you're not gonna be, if you don't have places to be honest and open and authentic, if you're not allowed to cry, um, because you're quote unquote, that's not manly, or you, you've never given been given those spaces, I think that can have a detrimental effect on men. So how do we find this definition of what masculinity mm. is that's actually healthy, that actually allows for softness and tenderness and strength rather than these two, seemingly far extremes, where men have to be weaklings in a doormat and cry all the time, or they have to be gruff, you know, cigarette smoking, uh, bad guy punching, whatever it might be. How do we find this definition? and What is it and where is it found? Yeah. I, have, did you ever read the book Manhood in the Making by David Gilmore? I have not. No, no, uh,
2: yeah, no, no. He was at Yale. And I, I don't know if he was an anthropologist, but it was sort of an anthropological study of Cultures from all over the world, you know, island cultures in Southeast Asia, you know, ver- various column, you know, primitive cultures all the way to China, Spain, Sounds everywhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> Basically, he surveyed the whole world. He looked at like what were the kind of the codes of masculinity? How did these different cultures define what it meant to be a man and their culture? And then he sort of synthesized the commonalities between them, and I, I can't really begin to do it justice, but I, I can tell you that uh, uh, Brett McKay, who runs the website Art of Manliness, which you you know, yeah, you oh
0: know yeah, yeah.
2: He, wrote a, he wrote like a six-part series that was like a, 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 a summation of that book. Uh, but it sort of looks at like some of the ways, and and some of it was, um, you know, he, uh, McKay actually, uh, I think he he put a little bit of a gloss on it when he said it was the three Ps: pr- protect, provide, procreate. Uh, as the three imperatives of men. And, and that that meant, you know, masculine, you know, manhood was an earned status. You had to display it in the arena. And so I think that would be an interesting one to, to maybe go look at because it shows the commonalities of how society has defined these roles. And I think that gets, I think that gives us a little bit of a sense of the parameters within which we can work. Um, because I think if we try to graft on some kind of artificial, uh, artificiality, that is not really, you know, kind of organically present in how human societies have organized themselves, it's probably not going to take. Sure. But if there's something that's already in the in the mix that we can say, hey, here, here's something that has, you know, these cultures and these times and these places have had that we don't have today, uh, maybe we could figure out how to bring that back or we could kind of like mm-hmm. position things. And like one of them, if you watch old movies. Um, you'll get a sense of this whole black and white movies. You'll see groups of men singing together. Men used to sing in Um, groups. And, you know, still like acapella groups and colleges and things, but like this this sort of idea that men would get together and sing, they don't do that anymore. You wouldn't think of singing as like a, as a, as a a man thing, but it, but it sort of was singing and dancing, right. You know, they say, well, like being a great dancer would be like this, this thing. So I think there, I think there are probably things we could look at in like, see what's out there, maybe mine, a little bit of our own past and say, you know, what could we, um, what could be one thing that I think we're very clearly out of whack on is kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, close men having close relationships with other men. Mm-hmm. I think that's much, much less the case today. I think men are very kind of isolated and atomized and that's unhealthy. So that, that's what I would say. No, maybe, maybe we should start a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So I think there's some of that. And I, that's kind of how I would see. to, if you're looking at like, how can we, we could look, you know, how did men, you know, express their emotions? Um, mm. You know, we were, we, you know, we talked, we talked about the opera earlier before we hit the record button, and, yes. like, look at how men expressed their emotions in the opera or how they, uh, you know, how they express
1: them in, in works of literature, previous generations. Like- and I think that's an important point to jump in yeah. real quick. Yeah. I think that every human will have to express emotions, right? That's yeah. a natural human thing, but it will probably look different. Um, my wife will express her emotions differently than I do, and right. that's okay. I think we can't ask men to express emotions like, like, you know, we think they should every person individually and sure. across the sexes, we have to accept how different people ex- do human things.
0: So I, I will say, I'll just say before, before we wrap up, I'll just say I do, you know, regardless of of differing views on, on this, I, I, on, you know, how, what, what it should look like to uh, express um, uh, masculinity or what a healthy masculinity looks like. I do appreciate that because it's important, you know, it's important for men, it's important for women, for men and women to be doing well, that there that there is that there are people like yourself who are trying to invest in men and say, okay, there's a problem yeah. here. Let's try to figure out a way to fix it. That doesn't pretend that there isn't something to being a man, um, and, and is saying like, okay, you know, men are important. Let's let's make it better, and let's do it in a way that um, respects the fact that men have something different about them. Um, I appreciate that there's somebody out there doing that and who is um, halfway intelligent and compassionate. So- uh, I'd are, say whole way. Well, whole way, okay, okay, fine, <laughs> fine, you know, I was trying to do understatement for the sake of humor, but thanks, go ruin the joke, it's <laughs> fine. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to pick up your book here and check that out. I'm yeah, always- let me know what you think cool. Give the
1: uh, the critiques, and uh, <laughs> and we'll have a debate or just I guess a congratulatory. Sorry, it's fast. I wrote it. <laughs> great. Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: we'll 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 make a, we'll write, read a making of a, or watch we'll listen to your podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Well, very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're now we're gonna move into a section. We Our call favorite section. Bless. Okay. Blesses and curse, and it's in this section. Essentially, we take a piece of art, a movie, a book. A, uh, a video game, a, song, a, poem. a yeah. poem, whatever it might be that we want to bless that has to do with today's um, topic. topic. So something about masculinity or toxic masculinity, and then something we we'll want to curse.
0: Somebody and because that- we're super organized, we obviously told you about this beforehand, to yeah. give you a chance <laughs> right. to pick out your own. Um, but we'll, we'll go first. And if you want to engage and get someone to bless and curse, you can, but no obligation. Um, but you can see sort of how it's how it's done. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? You, you go first. Okay, cool, cool. So I will give uh, do, do uh, I, two or three blesses, but I'll say um, my first bless is going to be the TV show Cobra Kai which is uh, on Netflix, and it's a, a sequel series to the a classic um, a movie Karate Kid, which is a classic nice. coming-of-age story. What they decide to do with the TV series is pick up you know, decades later in modern day and have you know both the original Karate Kid and his rival both setting up sort of rival dojos and picking up on them and training younger generation. And they have different ideas of what masculinity sort of looks like. Um, And it's, it's a really amazing, mature exploration of, Mm. of positive masculinity and toxic masculinity that doesn't really try to paint a one hero or a villain and says that, look, the thing, the reason that people are, you know, are attracted to toxic masculinity is because, you know, there are places in society that, that there are positive things in competition and being assertive and being powerful that make your life better and that make other people's lives better. And so, you know, there, it shows like, Oh, and maybe you know, the kind of sort of nice, you know, manhood that people are saying sometimes has its own passive aggressive way of being aggressive. So it's not all good. So there's they have different ways of complex mm-hmm. ways of dealing with this issue that I think are amazing to that. I, I like that it's talking about. So I'll bless that if you want to have a show that really deals with some of these issues in a very nuanced way. I'll Also say the movie The Fighter, um, because that's a story about you know, a a guy who's part of a boxing family who has with his brother is sort of his mentor and coach who's helping him to become a boxer. And he's sort of a a loser boxer. And it shows the way sort of his own sort of toxic family Mm -hmm. and both the toxic masculinity and the toxic femininity that's causing him to sort of not be assertive in a way he needs to be, but then how he is in danger when he stops doing that to overcorrecting in a different Mm -hmm. way. And so it shows the different nuances there. it's also just a very inspiring story that Talks about forgiveness and accountability and what that looks like. Um, for, for curses, I will say um, I'm going to curse. I brought this up earlier. I'm going to curse. Uh, I think I brought it this earlier. Uh, Lego Movie Two um, because I thought that it, it was trying to deal with toxic masculinity in the story, but they ended up um, basically saying that um, basically saying that a male male power and ability to be aggressive um, is intrinsically bad and you need to be much more of a wimp to be a good guy. Um, and, and sort of the way women are naturally, uh, sort of more, the more, uh, inclined to do play and imagination is, is positive, universally positive without any negative things to say about it. I thought that that was sort of a harmful message to be trying to send kids, um, at a kids movie. And I'll say on the flip side, I will say, um, another movie I will curse classic is, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, Because it is a a movie that is trying to celebrate a particular vision of masculinity, which is very toxic, basically manipulating people and... Using people to get what he wants and never mm. suffering any consequences, and that's something he's worth being celebrated for. Um, so that's those are those would be my sort of blessings and curses um, of today. Uh, okay, Nathan, what would you what would you put?
1: My blessings and curses. Well, one for book. I'm going to bless this amazing book oh, no, by this guy named Nathan Clarkson oh, God. called Good Man. Everyone go get a copy. I literally wrote the book on it. I mean, he literally wrote the book on it. But my actual bless is the Mandalorian. Oh, nice. I'm not going to give any spoilers. If you haven't seen it, I don't know where where you've been and what you've been doing. Yeah. But this is such a beautiful representation of a a main character, the Mandalorian, Mando, um, who is both, who who displays everything I think masculinity should have. Yeah. He is strong. He makes hard decisions. He is good. He protects those who need it. He's Um, capable of doing harm when necessary. He's capable. But he is gentle yeah he takes care of a, literally a baby the entire the entire series both both seasons he's taking care of yeah. a little baby and he is gentle he is um forgiving yeah he is uh, empathetic yeah and i'm going you have this character who's holding all of these yeah what what culture considers and i mean every culture church culture yeah modern secular culture we think they're totally on opposite ends of the spectrum. And here you have this character who's holding every yeah. aspect of what I think a man should be and seemingly- um, And it's incredibly popular for no, yeah. Re- no wonder. It, yeah, no wonder it's so good, but it's just a great, yeah. great. Um, and aside from that, I just love it's Star good- Wars. This mm. made me like a 14 year old kid. I want a lightsaber again, I want a laser gun. <laughs> um, and then my curses is a TV show called Good Girls. Mm. And this basically is the way I'd retitle it as um, either terribly weak men or terribly awful predatory men um, are so bad that a bunch of toxic women can justify their toxic behavior <laughs> because these men are so weak and bad. So I think it's a really good image of both incredibly toxic femininity and incredibly toxic masculinity. But I think the writers thought they were only showing toxic masculinity. Yeah, they're not in on the, on the
0: good critique. They don't know yeah. Yeah, what they were doing. <laughs>
1: yes. And basically... These women do terrible things. They start drugs yeah. and kill people, but it's all justified because their husband it, it, didn't do something. It's right. like Breaking Bad, but they don't realize that the protagonist is
0: really bad.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so it's <laughs> a about, if a show, show. about, you just walking toxic men, which is either weak men or predatory men, and toxic women uh, who are just manipulative and awful and justifying all their terrible behavior by the men in their Sounds lives. Sounds awesome. So it's a terrible show, but it is entertaining. Uh, so if you want something entertaining, about, Awful. Watch good. Girls. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> do you have anything? Do you want to contribute or?
2: uh Well, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you a couple here. Um, cool. Oh, that's yes. always fun. I'm not, that these, I'm not saying that I recommend. I'm going to give cheers to two books. Um, okay. Even though um, I don't, I don't think the, the portrayals are positive portrayals, but I think they're they they give important insights and very hmm. good insights mm-hmm. into the modern condition of men and women. One is the. Uh, uh, French novelist Michel Welbeck and his book *The Elementary Particles*, mm. uh, which is uh, maybe his most famous book, and uh, I'll—it's I'll, really about um, it, essentially the, uh, the 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 working out of this of the sexual revolution and the impact yes. that it has on men and women of the the 1968 generation, as they would say in Europe. Over the next four, forty something years, and I, and I should warn the book is hyper sexually explicit. Warning um, for all the moms out there. <laughs> but, um, so just gonna, you just got yes. So, but but it's a, and, and he's you know he's a he's a very well he's won of the top literary prize in, in France. Mm. That's one. Another one that's a little more recent is, and, and I, I kind of hesitate to I'm not, don't go actually go go read this, but I just <laughs> read it. Uh, and I always say don't read it because it's so long. But I read I and I may probably butcher the name. Carl Ove Knausgård's "My Struggle," hmm, hmm. which is a uh, a six volume wow. uh, work of autobiographical fiction by this guy in Norway, telling the story of his life, and it was a massive literary sensation in Norway. You know, Norway has like five million people in it, and this book sold five hundred thousand copies. Wow, and wow! It was it was it was crazy, and you know uh, all the newspapers, like it was crazy, and he's sort of a a generation x guy given this hyper detailed depiction of his life and he's definitely not a good guy in, in a lot of it but it gives you okay. an insight into what's going on going on in the world and um I, I think there's a lot i think there's a lot of insights in both of those and i guess if i got to give a, a curse uh, it's not going to be i don't I, I consume extremely little popular culture
0: i can't go with that but you're just reading too um, many you fr- know w- 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 prize-winning french novels Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the Watch <laughs> I'll pick, if you want to see some toxic
2: masculinity uh, uh you, you know go see the opera bluebeard's castle and you can Ooh, google an opera oh, okay that, is that like that's not the Three, first uh,
0: we read, yeah. read the
2: wikipedia entry for bluebeard's castle and you'll you'll get a, to- oh, a real toxic i castle. will
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. awesome. all right cool well thank you so much for having on by the way i'll say this you know i hope some of you i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i hope some of you were offended by it because then you'll recommend other guests for us to have yeah. on we can have to continue this discussion uh <laughs> with different points of view we I, this is a discussion we're very happy to have but thank you so much Aaron for being on this uh this podcast. This was an amazing episode. Really yeah. enjoyed it. So hey, what would you like to plug before we uh before people reach you?
2: Go to the website themasculinist.com and sign up for my newsletter. Cool. Fantastic. And you also have a podcast as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. The podcast isn't really about masculinity for the most part. It's more of a cultural commentary. We like those too. Um,
0: yeah, those are you know,
2: great. I, I, I was going to, I was actually going to pick a, a different brand that I thought could be like a bigger brand that would be, you know, more inclusive than just the masculinist because it seems like it's a very narrow topic. Every single person said, no, keep the masculine.
0: <laughs> I will say it's a, it's a good name. It's a great name. You yeah. remember it. Right. So where can people find you, Nathan?
1: Uh, people can find me on all the socials. Just search my name, Nathan Clarkson. I love getting messages. Please follow me and interact with my stuff. Uh, love hearing from you. And also, I'm going to take this time to plug our Facebook group, me the too. Overthinkers Private Facebook Group online. We now have hundreds and hundreds of of members and And hundreds yeah and and hundreds (laughs) and we are posting incredibly fun questions and discussions people are arguing but in good faith and good humor we are discussing which is hard to find on the internet we have people from every belief system from all over the world and we're discussing these big questions and i just love to see it we also post a lot of funny memes we do and some great links and videos and articles so please drop by the overthinkers private group on facebook we would love to have you Um, and also you can go to our website at theoverthinkersjournal.com. We're going to have some great articles coming out this year, and you can learn more about the hosts and what we do and you can send us all your mail to tell us everything we got wrong and everything we got right uh, we love love letters and we also enjoy hate letters yes so uh send them all
0: and joseph where can people find you people can find me at uh my website josephholmstudios.com, and you can find me on all the socials as well please please uh drop us a five-star review on on our podcast Definitely it really helps. helps us in the ratings And thank you so much. Thank you again, Aaron, for being on the podcast. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.